Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Yonescuna, I'm your host, and today we are joined again by a returning guest, uh, Mr. George Roska. George, how's it going? Doing very well, Marcus. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely, anytime. Uh, before we get into anything, I do want to talk about a little bit about our last episode, uh, Can Christians Support Black Lives Matter? And I think... Uh, well, not that I think, I know a lot of people responded to it and just a lot of positive reviews because uh, whether they themselves were confused on the topic or whether they had people in their lives that were confused and they just didn't know how to explain it, I think that episode really shined a light on certain fundamental issues within that movement and, and, and within our culture today that, pe- that Christians should really watch out for because they can fall into that, into that rabbit hole. And uh, I, I do appreciate that last episode, uh, and I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm glad to have you back on here uh, to talk about another controversial topic. Uh, but we will get right into that after these announcements. Um, like I said, these last couple of weeks, guys, uh, May 26th, I'll be wrapping up this part two, season one of this spring season with the last episode. It'll be the last Wednesday of the month of May. And then uh, it will be taking a summer break just to recharge. Uh, record some things, work on some other things. So um, uh, stay tuned for that. Also, um, as I've kind of stated again, I don't know, I can't imagine myself not recording for three months in the summer. So I probably will end up doing something, but just not <laughs> releasing regularly. But uh, I'll keep you guys updated with that. But just uh, keep that in your calendars. And uh, yeah, that's that. So uh, stay tuned on our Instagram as well at the Potter's House for any and all updates. And also our streaming platforms, uh, most notably Spotify, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can reach us over there. And um, if you do have an iPhone, please go to that purple icon, that Apple Podcast icon. Uh, scroll down, tap the stars. It really helps the exposure of the show. And also, if you want to leave a written review, uh, I appreciate it and I will read it out loud on the show as well. So, for those of you who have already done that, thank you so much. And uh, for those of you who have yet to do that, uh, I would really appreciate it. Thank you uh, ahead of time. So, uh, that's that. Uh, George, let's get started because we got a a very, very compact subject that we're that we're gonna that we're gonna kind of unbox today, and it is regarding uh, overall regarding Planned Parenthood. Now, a lot of Christians out there, um, they they know that, or at least most of them. I don't want to say a lot, but most remainings. Well, how about we say that? We'll start off there because we I can't speak for the majority of people, but we know that there's something wrong with Planned Parenthood, and most evangelical Christians out there are against abortion. Because that's what uh, probably like what they're most attributed to is abortion. Obviously, there's other things regarding sexual health, but it's mostly um, abortion. That's why we're against it. Uh, but today we're going to kind of unpack uh, Planned Parenthood's uh, just official documents that they have, uh, their their statements on what they believe and um, what they value, and what they're trying to push onto not only the public, but uh, just integrate in our culture, what values they want to integrate. But um, before we get to that, um, I do want to talk about this this one thing that kind of lingers, that kind of stems from Planned Parenthood and, and that is very, uh, that pops up quite often within what they preach. And it's something called sexual rights. And uh, I want to let you kind of explain it. What does it mean? How, how can sexual rights impact us? And how does Planned Parenthood define it? Yeah, so it, it all stems from a philosophy that Alfred Kinsey, back 
right after World War II in 1948 and in 1953, he published two uh, works of science that changed America and the world, really. Um, the first one was called The Male Report on Sexuality, and the second one was called The Female Report on Sexuality. And it basically made the scientific claim that people are sexual from birth, and because they are, uh, then that's a right. That's a positive right that everybody has. So um, if, if you don't know who Alfred Kinsey is and you're listening to this podcast, I encourage you to Google Alfred Kinsey and Google the works that Dr. Judith Reisman did on this man, a very evil man. Because how, how do you prove that humans are sexual from birth? You actually had to experiment on infants. Uh, and in fact, uh, I believe it's on page 134 of the male report. There is a certain table where he documents the uh, abuses that he did on one month, two month, three month, four month, up to 12 months, then going by years uh, all the way until um, the teenage years. He documented how he basically raped these children and uh, what uh, reactions they had. So um, from there, uh, another well-known name by the name of Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner took his works and he said, I'm going to be Kinsey's evangelist. Uh, so that, that's exactly what he said. There's a, you can quote, find that quote online. Uh, so basically he said, I'm going to be Kinsey's evangelist. I'm going to be the pamphleteer spreading this new gospel that we're going to be liberated from the old sexual norms. And um, shortly thereafter, it started this whole idea of, well, we need to educate children about sex education and what their bodies are. So now you go from Kinsey to Hugh Hefner, who sponsored all of this through his Playboy Millions. And they got together with a lady named Mary Calderon, who was the Planned Parenthood medical director at that time. And in the early 60s, uh, she, they helped her start an organization called SECUS, the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States. It sounds pompous. It sounds like it's a government organization, but it's not. Um, and so Mary Calderon basically took all of Planned Parenthood's methodologies and ideology and philosophy, packaged it together with Kinsey's pseudoscience and with Hugh Hefner's millions, uh, and they started pushing sex education into the public school system based off of this idea of sexual rights. And it wasn't until the, the um, 2008 when Planned Parenthood took the lead on formulating their thoughts of what are sexual rights. And so they um, put together what they called their Sexual Rights Declaration. It was written by the International Planned Parenthood Federation, which is the global arm of Planned Parenthood. And especially since I'm talking to Romanians here, um, for those of you who still have family and friends in Romania, please talk to them, warn them about this stuff. Because in Romania, uh, they are named very differently. They're not called Planned Parenthood. They're like Asociatia de, um, you know, like something reproductive, something. It's a very like, oh, wow, yeah, they're, they're helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and interesting, they, Planned Parenthood couldn't get into Romania until after communism fell. 
Wow. Even the communists would not allow Planned Parenthood to enter Romania. Wow, that says something, yeah. <laughs> that says something. So, uh, in- interestingly enough, in today's world, you know, we, we have kind of the fusion of the sexual uh, movement and neo-Marxism coming together. Uh, back 30 years ago, we didn't have it. Uh, but anyway, they published this document. They called their sexual rights declaration. In it, they have what they call 10 articles and seven guiding principles. And that's what I really wanted to unpack for parents in this Pray Your You style video that we did with Protect Our Kids for them to be able to connect the dots of this positive language they like to put in there, but what they actually stand for. So I, I hope that long introduction helped people connect the dots to today. So you you said that these articles, the ones that we're going to go over um, in a short bit right here, they were, what did you say they were written in 1980? They were written in 2008. 2008. Correct. Okay. But uh, they were basically a, you know, formulation of all these ideas they've been working with for the last you know, five, six decades. Um, so now they just kind of put it to paper. Uh, and one of the other reasons why they did that is because they work very strategically. Planned Parenthood over time has gained international influence. So they are in over 140 countries and they have paid lobbyists in every state capital, all 50 states. They have, um, paid lobbyists at the United Nations. They have paid lobbyists in many of the countries of those 140 plus countries that they operate in. And so what what they focus all day long is they just bang on the doors of these politicians to push their uh, ideology into policy. And you mentioned this in the video um, that you made with, with uh, Protect Our Kids. And uh, I'm not sure if you're going to bring it up later in one of the articles, but you did talk about the the correlation and the relationship between sexual rights and human rights. Uh, you talked about how if if certain laws, especially the one that's kind of pending right now, that's being pushed by a lot of uh, politicians, if, if they're if they're being passed, then these sexual rights that you were talking about, and this is like Kinsey's experiments on on children way below any age that you know that is going to become a human right and their argument on how children are up to infants are sexual beings uh then they have the right to whatever adults have rights to today so what is your perspective on that and how uh, how can you basically clarify the jumbled mess that i just (laughs) dictated right now no you're you're right on to uh, what i was trying to get with this video Um, Ultimately, if sexual rights are human rights, then it begs the question, why did the United States go into World War II and punish Germany for their crimes against humanity, right? Murdering six million Jews plus uh, many other ethnic minorities, uh, plus however many men died in battle, right, and civilians. Um, what gives us the right as human beings to judge another human being? It's when we violate an inalienable right. And so ultimately where this leads is um, as we investigate these 10 articles, for example, one of the articles is that every human being has the right to 
sex education. So what happens if I, as a parent, choose to opt out my child? I have not just violated their sexual right, I have violated their human right. And so now, with the full force of the law behind them, if leftists had their way, the government could step in and say, I'm going to punish you as the parent because you violated your child's human right. They're, they're turning this into an atrocity, basically similar to what the Nazis did to the Jews. So that's where it ultimately is leading. And you could already see that uh, because the whole sexual rights movement in America, what has it led to? It wasn't just equality. Uh, it's I want I need to have the the power to punish you if you don't believe and agree with everything that I just say, and we see that in Obergefell 2015 Supreme Court case that allowed same-sex marriage, and it's like okay, great, fine, go go and and, and get married, but that wasn't enough. Now they want to punish the baker in Colorado for not baking the cake at the gay man's wedding, right? Uh, so that's. That's what it's coming to next. Yeah, and I'm glad you made that clarification because we're going to see that a lot in these articles that we're going to we're going to talk about. Um, and I think an intermediate step in between wanting equality and rights and kind of level ground and then punishing. I think from what I've seen in recent years is that that intermediate step is celebration. So celebrating. Uh, their their freedom and kind of just pushing normalizing it because now that you have equality before you can get people comfortable enough to it to accept it fully and make it law you have to normalize it and we see that a lot with uh, media with films with 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 I mean ads I mean you see it on like not only commercials but I mean you have your your email opened up and if you have an ad or something pops up and you and you see you see you see that and they're normalizing it. They're getting people conditioned to that because once that happens, the average Joe, the non-Christian, uh, will be okay with it. And then they can pass these laws and no one's going to bat an eye. And, and you know how subtle it is? I don't know if you remember growing up watching the movie Miss Doubtfire. Yes. Yeah. All right. I, I remember watching that movie as a, as a child, you know, probably less than 10 years old. And... Now, watching it with my kids, I'm like, okay, this is something I watched. It's funny. It's comedy. It's Robin Williams, right? And something so subtle as the the uncle who makes the face mask for Robin Williams to become Miss Doubtfire, right? And his partner, which I never realized at that time, but he said, oh, uh, Uncle Jack and Aunt, and he mentioned a male name, um, made this for me. And when I was watching it with my kids, I'm like, what did he just say? <laughs> <laughs> but this is from, you know, early 90s yeah. onward. It's, it's always been very subtle. And so, um, you know, we, we're talking to a mainly probably Christian audience here. Um, and, you know, some of the questions we get as pastors are, um, can I go to my gay friend's wedding? You know, am I going to sh- be that, you know, can I show compassion and love uh, towards them? Uh, so a lot of what we discuss here, we're framing it from a sexual rights perspective and um, talking about children and parental rights. 
but this dives into every facet of life. And, and so uh, we want to be consistent with our logic and how we apply God's word everywhere. Absolutely. And um, so we have these, so the like you stated, 2008, Planned Parenthood created these 10 articles about the sexual rights declaration. And as you said, these, these uh, ideas have been formulating over the last several decades, um, most notably in the last couple of decades. And in 2008, they put pen to paper and they kind of wrote it out. And as we see, and we're, we're, we're going to go through these and you're going to highlight certain things that kind of stand out. Um, some things are subtle and some things are quite obvious. And a lot of people just kind of glaze over things, glance over things, don't really put too much thought into it. But I think it's important, um, especially, you know, as, as you're kind of spearheading this, this um, kind of movement against these, these big organizations, uh, it's important to really shine light on this so that parents, regardless of what background you come from, can know what the truth about these organizations and what they're trying to teach their kids and what they're trying to implement into law. Yeah. So uh, let's get started with, uh, and I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you go through them. But let's get started with the first article. Yeah. So article number one is the right to equality, and here uh, what I want you guys to see is right from the beginning they do this clever interweaving of language that is human rights language, and now they are ascribing it to sexual rights. And there's two things that, that stand out for me on this one. So first one, it says, all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights and must enjoy the equal protection of the law against discrimination based on their sexuality, sex, or gender. Why do you have to use three different things to what to us might seem like the same thing, sexuality, sex, or gender? Mm -hmm. They are not. And so... Um, you know, red lights should be flashing right now in our, in our heads. So I want to talk a little bit about sexuality and unpack this because sexuality um, is a newly defined term. What you and I think it means is not what it means. And so Planned Parenthood back two years before this declaration, back in 2006, they um, basically went to even the United Nations and the World Health Organization, and they petitioned a change in definition. So sexuality means this. It encompasses sex, gender identities and roles, sexual orientation, eroticism, pleasure, intimacy, reproduction, thoughts, fantasies, desires, beliefs, attitudes, values, behaviors. So basically, this is such an open-ended statement uh, an open-ended definition of one word that when they say all human beings are born free and equal in dignity, it's like, oh yeah, for us Christians especially, we're like, oh, this is talking about the Imago Dei, right? We're created in the image of God. Planned Parenthood's on the right track. They sound like a Christian organization here. <laughs> but they switch it around on you and it says they must enjoy the equal protection based on sexuality. So now you're telling me that somebody who self-identifies as neither man or neither woman, somebody who self-identifies or their sexual orientation is that I'm attracted to young boys, they are equal to anybody else on planet Earth. 
and that the law must protect their sexuality. So this is absolute chaos. Um, so that that's the first part that parents need to understand. And then the second part is, at the end, they say, all persons must be ensured an environment where everyone enjoys and has equal access to full rights afforded by the state. So in essence, they're saying that the state gives you these rights, whereas we know that our human rights don't come from the state. The state is merely a protector of them, but we are endowed by these rights by our creator. Now, not necessarily these sexual rights that they aspire to here, but this is a huge, again, red flash, big, you know, lights in our head, because especially for us as Romanians, who've come out of communism, uh, we know that this is a completely Marxist statement. Yeah. Rights coming from government versus rights coming from God. Absolutely, yeah. And so right off the bat, Planned Parenthood, subtly, yet for us who, who understand, comes out and they're unmooring morality from sexuality. And they are saying uh, it's the Marxist framework you need to follow, not the American freedom um, and, and our founding fathers' values. And I think like, like you highlighted earlier in, in that first statement, the the common misconception, something that you might that average person might miss is the definition of sexuality. Because right now in, in 2021, what that means is uh, whenever you see that term either in an official document or on the news or whatever it may be, uh, it typically refers to sexual orientation, which w- what we believe is uh, either heterosexual or homosexual. That's that's that, that's you know we've gotten to the point in t- 2021 where that's what we believe. But as you kind of defined it, what it actually means today, it means fantasies, beliefs, all these different things. Where it's like you said, it's open ended. It's open to interpretation. And the problem is, if this gets passed, if people don't really notice what this actual what this actually means then the state protects the people who have who indulge in these certain things. And then, as you said later, the state also not only protects it, but now we're giving them so much power where they, they're the ones who give the rights. And again, if, they don't, if people don't come from a communist background, as m- many of the Romanians do, or uh, many of the Romanians older than 30 do, <laughs> um, they... They won't. They might not notice this, and I and I've had conversations with uh, and with people, even friends from high school, and I I went to high school from 2011 to 2015. So this was, like, I'm talking 10 years ago. I had conversations with people, and they were defending socialism, and I'm like, I'm like, what? Like how? Like I I, I was I even I was born in the states, but like how can you like? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they think it's some sort of utopia or. I don't understand it, but there's there's some spirit out there that's really pushing this agenda. But uh, it just goes to show how important it is that we really understand what every single word means in these documents that were that were being handed. Yeah, and and you know, Marcus, this is a good segue because this word sexuality plays another very important role in Article Eight. So I'm going to jump into Article Eight, sure. especially for parents, because uh, with protect our kids. It really, the, the impetus of starting this organization was because of the public school system and what I found out what was going on. Um, and it was documents like this that really 
caught my attention. And so we, we talked about sexuality and we talked about how they're trying to frame the right to equality as a human right, but applied to sexual rights and the new definition of sexuality. So here's what, the other thing I want parents to understand is that Article 8 now says um, that it's the right to education. And in here, and I quote, it says, all persons without discrimination have the right to education and information generally and to comprehensive sexuality education specifically. And so what this says is that, you know, when, when you and I were going to school, what was it called? It was called sex ed, right? Yeah. Oh, we're going to have sex ed this quarter or however long it took, right? Uh, it was probably like a week or two out of the health class. Um, this isn't sex ed anymore because sex has a very particular definition today. Planned Parenthood uses a new terminology for sex education, and it's called comprehensive sexuality education. So this is when it finally clicked for me. I'm like, what's what's bad with sex ed? Because I had it, and I never had all of this stuff in it. What changed? And it's exactly this definition. It comes down to the definition of this word. Because if you look, at least here in California in 2016, when the state passed the law mandating comprehensive sexuality education, when you go to the law, the law doesn't define sexuality. Well, Planned Parenthood wrote the law. They were the lobbyists behind it. They basically wrote the entire law. They gave it to... Um, you know, Shirley Weber, who was the assembly member in the state of California at that time, she was the one that pushed it through. So I asked myself, I'm like, okay, but now, now this is law. What, what are the definition of these terms? And if, and I went to the state Capitol and I actually went and I met with uh, Shirley Weber's uh, chief of staff. Guess who he had in the room with us? He had a representative from ACLU. And the ACLU, for those that you don't know, it's the American Communist Lawyers Union. No, it's called the American Civil Liberties Union. <laughs> and um, they were the ones in conjunction with Planned Parenthood mm -hmm. who pushed for comprehensive sexuality education to be mandated by law. And the gentleman from the ACLU started to explain basically what all of this stuff meant. And I'm like, oh, oh, so this is what you guys mean. So I have to go back to your website to read your definition of this word. And the, then what they start hiding behind, they don't hide anymore behind their, their own definition. They actually now start hiding behind, well, it's the World Health Organization definition of sexuality. So that's the reason why they try to infiltrate and influence these pompous national and international organizations, so that way they don't have to say it's our definition. No, it, it's somebody else's with a higher degree of authority. Which is interesting because guess who? Guess who's putting uh, just requirements and recommendations out there now today regarding the coronavirus yep. pandemic, <laughs> the World Health Organization, the WHO, right? They're the ones. Uh, you know, the CDC is referring to them. Politicians are referring to them saying, oh, who, you know, WHO, they require this, they require that. Masks are mandated, all these different things. And then 
as soon as because they're indoctrinating and they're brainwashing the public to to kind of worship this organization and ex- take everything as as gospel truth, as we mm-hmm. like to say, then guess what? If they have a definition to something regarding sexual rights, they're going to do the same exact thing to that. That's 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 crazy how that's that's happening. Like it's almost overlapping. And and this is also because what I've learned is that there are um, incestuous relationships. Basically, I call them. Um, and what I've discovered is I, I've started to do a deep dive search on these people. Uh, and instead of hiding behind organizations like, oh, well, this person is from the State Department of Education. And I'll, I'll look for the leaders within our State Department of Education. And I just go and look up their LinkedIn. And all of a sudden, I see like weird things like they used to work at Planned Parenthood for these five years. And then they moved over to the county health department. And then they moved over to the state department of education. And I'm like, oh, this is why they really understand the ins and outs of the system and how they've been able to take advantage really of um, you know, our, our, our civic affairs. And it really, it's, it's shame on us as Christians because at some point in time, we've backed out from being involved in our culture. And we should never have done that. And as as Christians and as the Church of, of Christ, uh, we need to serve our fellow neighbor. And we do that by being involved in civic affairs and enacting uh, true and just laws uh, and not something like this. So kind of putting a, a, a bow on this whole sexuality definition, right, we understand now in Article 1, right to equality, its ramifications, but now also in Article 8, the right to education. So in both, we mentioned at the beginning, they can come with the full force of the law because now you are violating a person's human right. You've denied them their sexual right, their, their human right, because you never gave them comprehensive sexuality education, not sex ed. So I'm going to pretend that I'm a concerned parent here, and I'm going to ask you, because Article 8 talks about the right to education. So if this is all the case, what is, you know, obviously in a a brief way, because we can go on forever, this could be a whole separate episode, but what does the future of the public education system in the United States look like uh, going forward if we're dealing with this kind of thing, this article especially? So what you will see is that these topics don't just come up anymore in sex education in your health class. These topics are now being discussed in history lessons because, you know, all of these LGBTQ personas, um, they have a history. We need to learn about them. Uh, It's coming up in English classes, the literature that they read right now. We need to read books, no longer Shakespeare uh, we need modern-day examples where LGBTQ people can find themselves in those stories, right? Um, even from basic uh, assemblies, right? Remember we had assemblies at school, mm-hmm. and they used to bring in, like, those cool BMX bikers, do stunts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so nowadays they have assemblies on diversity. And so they'll, they're bringing in people who are diverse, and so that way students can feel like they find themselves within the school because that's how students feel safer at school. So this whole sexual rights ideology is going to make its way, and it already has, just about every subject in class. So you can't be a parent thinking that I signed out my opt-out form. They're not going to get sex ed. Well, who cares? 
It's, it was just for those two weeks that you signed them out. That's all that, that form applies to. It doesn't apply to the history lesson, the literature they're reading, the assemblies they go to. And that's good to know because I think, I mean, even me right now, before I before these last couple of minutes, I would have thought the same thing because we have the right to, to opt out of these certain things that they're going to provide. But it's being not only integrated in our culture, but into our education system where it's, like I said earlier, normalized. So they're yeah. going to teach it in history and in, in literature. And I mean, they're going to find a way to teach it in mathematics with <laughs> with whatever they're dealing with, with this. Uh, I, I even forgot what their, their whole math thing was called. But um, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing. And uh, it's, it's it's scary. So um, and the opt out will go away because one of the things that Planned Parenthood and SICUS especially, they put out an, a, a biannual report mm-hmm. on they follow all the states and what laws are being passed specific to sex ed or comprehensive sexuality education. And uh, I read for the first time uh, in two years ago in their 2019 legislative report that um, they considered uh, a law that was being passed somewhere, the state slips my mind right now, but there was an opt-out clause. And they said that that, um, that prohibits a child from getting uh, sex education from a trusted source. And it's like, isn't the parent the most trustworthy source mm-hmm. for a child's education? So th- they're already taking steps to remove opt-outs. So especially in the state of California, I wouldn't be surprised that pretty soon we as parents won't even have that right. Absolutely. And that's something to think going forward, especially for uh, younger parents out there or if uh, or aspiring parents out there uh, regardless of what state you live in it's going to come and get you uh, one of these days but uh, I'm not sure for the next article I'm not sure if you wanted to jump back to the earlier one or if you want to whichever yeah. you feel is a better tie-in yeah no let's go straight now back to article three uh, this one is called right to life liberty security of the person and bodily integrity Ooh, what does that mean <laughs> And so this is the one that I I was just shocked uh, because it says this, no person's sexual choices, practices, or expressions, including real or imputed practices of sex work, can justify excuse or mitigate punishment for violence, abuse, or harassment. So this was one thing that floored me, The, the word, the phrase sex work. I'm like, what is that? Well, it's a fancy term for prostitution. Mm -hmm. So Planned Parenthood is coming right out in their sexual rights declaration saying that it's your human right to be able to do sex work. And they're glorifying prostitution. In fact, the Planned Parenthood of Toronto posted a tweet where they said, sex work is real work and we support sex workers' rights. That was on Twitter. I mean, it was just, I'm like, how much further is this going to go? And so sure enough, what you see is uh, Planned Parenthood and this whole movement is also opportunistic. They try to plead for the ones that are being oppressed, right? So um, on this particular topic... um, sex workers are being oppressed because they want to make a living and we are prohibiting them from making a living. And because governments have 
made laws, you know, banning prostitution that is oppressive to them because now they have to give themselves over to pimps and, and other forms of, um, you know, capitalizing monetarily on their work. And, and so this is their roundabout way to come to the logic of we need to defend sex workers' rights. That's that's crazy. I never thought I'd be. You know what's funny? They didn't they didn't censor that tweet. They didn't no. they, didn't, they didn't ban them. No, but, <laughs> but Donald Trump is still banned from Twitter. And uh, they, I would never think. I mean, if you go back even five years, that something like that would fly. Yeah, and be not only fly, but now we're seeing it being celebrated. And then as we've seen this this cycle, this trend after celebration becomes punished if you don't accept it, if you don't support it. So I think that we're going to see that very soon. That's a that's a scary thing to see with with this article, and it's so uh, it's shocking. I, I mean, I'm shocked when I heard it as well. Yeah, yeah, and and then when you tag that on to Article Five, which is the right to personal autonomy, there are two things that are, are just mind-boggling in their application. Number one is uh, the right to pleasure, and number two is the right to consent. And when you pull these together, I'll explain here what what this really means. So the right to pleasure, I quote right now, to seek to experience their full sexual potential and pleasure with due regard to the rights of others and to the evolving capacity of children. Wow. So when I read this phrase evolving capacity of children and it's mingled with this right to pleasure and then later on it says all persons are free to exercise autonomous and relational sexual practices i'm like what does this mean what do they mean by it and then later on i started reading the california state department of education health framework so the health framework is basically when a when a law passes that, that could affect the Department of Transportation. It could affect the Department of Health. It could, def- you know, whatever department it affects, that department now has to take that law and expand on it. Like, what does it mean? How do you apply in all of the XYZ situations? So for CSE, when it was mandated in California, they developed a 700 plus page document called the Health Framework. And in there, you get their own interpretation of the law and how they want to apply it. So let me quote for you here what they teach. It says here, this is chapter one of the framework. It says, students gain knowledge about these issues as well as topics such as affirmative content, consent, affirmative consent, relationship violence, bullying, sexual harassment, and media influences. This learning can begin as early as TK in kindergarten. Wow. So why do we need to teach TKs? We're talking about four-year-olds to five-year-olds. From that age, the right to pleasure and the right to affirmative consent. It's illegal to have sex in the state of California if you're under 18. Mm -hmm. So that's all that they should know. And they learn that from their parents. The school system doesn't have to tell them that. So why is our school system so enamored with talking about these subjects. And the only way this makes sense is in their mind, 
This is a human right issue. It's a social justice issue, fists raised in the air. And so we are doing an injustice, an atrocity to transitional kindergartners by not teaching them that they have the right to personal autonomy. Their bodies is theirs, my body, my choice. And we cannot impede their own body's rights to pleasure. And they need to just now understand how to give consent. That's the whole case today, you know, in the whole Me Too movement, right? Did you get consent? Then, yeah, if, if you gave consent to, you know, the sexual activity you just had, then you have no case against, you know, your, you know, if you claim they violated you. But if you didn't give affirmative consent, then somebody violated your personal autonomy. So they want to teach children that from a young age. Now, when you do that to children, what are you basically telling them? So it's like, if, if I don't have the legal right to have sex, but yet I'm being taught that I can give affirmative consent, then this whole legal system in America is oppressive because I have a right to my personal autonomy. I should be deciding from transitional kindergarten when I'm ready to have this pleasure or not. Wow. And what I realized is, because speaking of the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, what they what they try to do, what Planned Parenthood is trying to do, and what I've noticed these last couple of years is what they do is they take an event that is universally accepted as wrong. They take a certain event that we all think, especially with the Me Too movement, there are a lot of different events, and we all condemn this. And then, you know, certain events uh, within the social justice, we all condemn it. But what they do is they take that event and they push their own, they twist their own ideology from that. And because people see the connection between the two, they automatically accept it and they promote it. Mm. Like with with consent, right? The Me Too movement, they take it because a a lot of women in, in various different uh, fields of work were, were abused and that's so unfortunate and it's so wrong but now they're taking the whole consent thing because now it, like uh, silence is no silence means yes they're taking that which you know for the most part you agree with and they're taking that and they're trying to push it in the, in the school system saying hey we're just trying to educate the kids from early on so that they don't grow up thinking the wrong thing but it's all masked and hidden and, and hidden and behind it all is is what we're talking about here. Yeah. And it's great. It's so it's so interesting and shocking to, to see that how they're doing this. And you know what was very interesting for me is I, I wanted to um, like look at statistics. Okay, so if if this is the thing that we need to teach our, our children and this is the better way of teaching our children, then shouldn't we be seeing statistics of you know rape sexual assault and violence within our school system be on the decline, right? Because we're giving them the tools necessary. And in fact, it's the opposite. Um, The CDC uh, does a yearly report called the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance Report. And in that report, what you will find is that especially members of the LGBT community are three to five times higher, more likely to experience sexual relationship, uh, sexual harassment in their relationships. Uh, They experience dating violence in their relationships. And when I first looked through that report, I'm like, I didn't pay very close attention, but then it hit me. And I'm like, who is the lesbian dating? 
Who's the gay person that's in this statistic dating? Who are they going out with? Another gay person, another lesbian, another bisexual, right? And so then it hit me and I said, whoa, they are doing this to each other. Mm -hmm. It's not like that gay guy is, you know, going out and, uh, you know, dating a heterosexual male. Yeah. Uh, because that, that guy would never fall yeah. for it, right? Yeah. So, so they're doing this to themselves. And so then I asked myself, I said, why? Why is this violence so much more prevalent at three to five times the rate than in the heterosexual student population? And that, those are questions that the media won't give you answers to, Planned Parenthood won't give you answers to, because it shows that what they're doing, in fact, is causing the exact opposite effect. Children are being sexualized. Children do not know how to harness their sexuality and what to do with it. And it's a Pandora's box for them. And it comes right back to the biblical definition of marriage and why intimacy was reserved for the act of marriage and for that relationship alone, because it is only within that the most safest relationship of all that intimacy works. Outside of that, it doesn't because you're constantly violating somebody else's right. And we're going to, I mean, we see that we know as Christians that introducing something that people are not ready for at such a young age is going to have that, that impact on them. And I mean, we see the correlation, uh, we see the causation. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't, but when you're, when you're, you're introducing these, these, these things to, to people of such young age where they can't process, where they're, they're not fully developed both bodily and mentally, um, you're going to see problems like that because the, the thing is these actions, which we consider as sin, there's shame behind that. Mm -hmm. There is shame. A lot of violence uh, occurs with due to the shame. Um, a lot of people who experience either gender dysphoria or quote unquote can come to terms with their sexuality sometimes act out in violence because they're ashamed of what they're experiencing, what they're feeling because they've been abused, whether yes. whether like physically or within the what they were taught at such yeah. a young age. And I, I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I can't say for certain, but it, it looks like that's that's the reason, that's the cause behind it all. Yeah, I've gotten to speak to a lot of family therapists, and uh, then also, uh, you know, friends of mine who are part of this movement uh, have spoken with FBI personnel, and everything you see in comprehensive sexuality education is really falls smack right on to grooming practices of sexual predators. The way that they prey onto the children and have the children let down their guard on their sexual innocence, the same effects are occurring today on our children that are being taught this kind of stuff in school. And that's like like article like the last article we talked about. That's that's just so terrifying to see yeah. and hopefully um, you know, we as Christians and you know parents out there are really careful of, of what they're gonna uh, just allow their children to, to go through. But um, regarding the the next article, I believe is Article Seven, if I'm correct. Yeah, this one uh, is right to health, 
And this is a very interesting one because um, I'll read here a quote says, there's, there's two things embedded in this article. Uh, the first is the right to reproductive health care, uh, which is a euphemism for abortion. Mm-hmm. And then there's a right to sex change surgeries. So let me read this quote for you. All persons shall have the right and means to access or refuse reproductive health technologies, services, or medical interventions on an equal basis with others without discrimination, period. Age-based restrictions to this entitlement must meet the requirements of non-discrimination and the principle, here it comes again, of the evolving capacity of the child. So when it comes to the abortion industry, Planned Parenthood has now infiltrated the schools to the point where they've gotten the state of California to pass what is called the Confidential Health Information Act. And in the health framework, they made it a point to reference this act and to say, you must teach your 9th through 12th graders, so this is like 13-year-olds, as young as 13-year-olds, you must teach them that they have a right to go and basically go to the school nurse, say they need to visit a reproductive health services clinic. They can go there, have an abortion, do whatever they want, come right back on campus. Nobody ever knows about that. Parents do not need to be notified about any of this. That child could come home with blood clots, with medical issues after having whatever kind of abortion they chose to have, a chemical abortion or full-on abortion uh, where they extract limb by limb. Um, The child could come home and have all of that stuff and the parent has no clue. So the parent might be rushing them to the ER room and let's say something tragic happens to that child it'll more than likely fall on the parent as their responsibility for what had just occurred. Um, So teachers are placed in a situation of, you know, basically between parents and children lying to parents about what their children have done or not done throughout class. Um, And so this is, again, a human right your 13-year-old child has a human right to have an abortion and to kill somebody else. Um, and then the second part of this says, quote, access to sexual health care for prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of all sexual concerns, problems, and disorders. So th- this is all, and all means all. <laughs> and it says concerns, problems, or disorders. Well, that sounds exactly like gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. That sounds like I'm born in the wrong body. I'm sorry, but mom, I want to cut off my breast today. And so it's my human right to be able to do this. I'm sorry, but I want to go on puberty blockers and I want to start taking hormones uh, because, you know what, I don't want to become a, a male. You know, I, I, I don't want that. And so all of these things now become part of a person's human right. So I mentioned it as a right to sex change surgeries because if it's a human right and if these rights are afforded by government according to Article 1, then the government has to pay for your sex change surgeries. And so now all of a sudden we we'll, we find ourselves 
that this isn't just, oh, you know, Planned Parenthood's uh, strategic plan. It's their wish list. Who cares? They're not the government. But they have so much influence in government and they are framing every one of these rights from the perspective of human rights and they're influencing definitions at the international level. And so we see this entire collusion happening to where one day that last piece of the puzzle is going to go in, it's done, and we're going to be living in a very different world. Um, and so, yeah, th- this is really, really scary stuff. And you would think, because we're talking about abortions here, they're they're fun. They're going to fund it. They're promoting it for for children's like you, like like you said, uh, ninth, twelfth grade, um, without notifying any parents, but. Wouldn't it, I mean, me as a, I'm, as I, you know, I, I try to be a logical person. Wouldn't it be better to kind of restrict the amount of information that they're, that they're poisoning the children's minds with rather than exposing them to all this junk from an early age, which will eventually lead to more premature pregnancies, which will then result in more abortions. It's, it's like they're, they're farming this. It's like they're starting to, like they want this to happen. Correct. Because it used to be, and they try to hide behind this mask where like, oh, we're trying to prevent pregnancies. We're trying to educate. So you know, abstinence is key and all, gold and all this different stuff. But now they're they're facilitating and creating a way where they can address this issue. But it's, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's one big circle. It comes back all around to what they're, teaching the small children from a young age. And and you use the word circle, and that's exactly what it is. Um, This is a business strategy. Planned Parenthood is a business. They claim they're a nonprofit, but if they're a nonprofit, why did their former CEO get paid a million-dollar salary per year? Um, I would love to work for a nonprofit that pays me that much. (laughs) Um, So for them, children are their best customers Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden— Yes, you want to have sex, but you don't want to be pregnant. So guess what? I will give you uh, the pill. Um, You just got pregnant inadvertently. So, oh, I I have another product I can sell you. It's an abortion. Oh, you don't want to become a boy or a girl, you know, or a male or a female, you know, a fully adult male or female. Uh, I can stop that for you. Planned Parenthood is basically checking out all the boxes uh, in this, and they are the end user, um, you know, the, the end provider for every one of these things. So they're basically marketing their services. They're being paid public funds to come into schools to market their services. And then they're being paid on the back end because they've just gotten all these customers. So it's a truly, uh, I would say, brilliant marketing strategy. I have to give that to them. But it's demonic, and it's so devilish. Um, and so we have to do something about it, and we have to continue exposing them. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think it all kind of ties in. Everything that we talked about until, until now, these articles, kind of ties into Article 9, which you, you titled as Right to Plan a Family. Because as I'm thinking of all the things that we discussed and, and everything that's going on, what may it be social justice or this quote-unquote sexual revolution, I've noticed that all these different organizations, BLM, Planned Parenthood, that are who are creating and pushing their ideology, 
they're attacking everything that God designed. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, I mean, the, the word of God was written thousands of years ago. And everything that's coming up now is trying to strip that away. And I read this, you know, plan a family. He's trying to, they're trying to break up the family. They're trying to take away the responsibility of their kids from the parents and kind of just disengage them, separate them, and then give them to the government. Yeah. Where the government is very, I mean, not not much, not really mentioned in the Bible. I mean, God for for the for for Israel uh, prescribed judges to kind of reign over, and then it's the people who wanted a king. And all of these governments, all these empires, were built upon uh, death and greed, and, and 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 it's all the people who are manipulating and perverting what God designed. And we see that even happen today, where they're just, just trying to strip away uh, everything that God designed. Maybe the uh, the feminism movement, mm-hmm. so it's to kind of emasculate the men, uh, the sexual revolution, to kind of pervert the, ch- the 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 mind of a child, and now kind of break up this family, saying, "Oh, you don't need a two parent household. You don't need this. You don't need that. You don't need a man and a woman to kind of raise a kid. It could be two of the same gender, and it all yeah. kind of ties into that. And it's all kind of stripping away from what God designed in the Word of God. Yeah, and and this article is titled so. Uh, biblically, right, to plan a family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so devious because embedded in this right is, quote, recognize the diversity of family forms as including those not defined by descent or marriage. So it's like, what what does this mean? And for a long time, I thought like, okay, what, what do they really mean by it? And what they really mean by it is when you look at their actions. So Planned Parenthood, um, who, out of the 20 members, they had an, a, an in, independent review panel to review the framework that the state staff from the Department of Education put together. So these 20 independent figures were from either a, a public education school, so they were you know, teachers, or they came from county health departments. With the exception of one, there was a Planned Parenthood member on there. And I'm like, how did that person get there? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how were they allowed, right? Um, and so in that framework for uh, grade seven and eight, this is what they were teaching students, quote, some students may be non-monogamous and the term partners may also be used to be more inclusive. And I'm like, oh, this is what they mean by this. So they are starting to teach that diversity of family forms is really anything, anything that you define. So it's not anything that's defined by descent or by marriage. It's anything that you want to be defined, similar to sexuality, right? And then last year, Right after COVID hit, in April of 2020, one of the other things that Planned Parenthood does very well is they don't necessarily have to infiltrate, but they know how to put the political pressure on all of these scientific organizations, right? And one of them is the American Psychological Association. And since their founding, they've had basically um, just, they're on their fifth version 
of uh, this this manual um, that they put together that deals with kind of like the best practices of how to deal with you know every condition basically known to man, especially mental health issues. And they started a consensual non-monogamy task force. And I'm like, that's a long-winded way of saying polygamy or you know polyamory. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically you can just redefine as whatever you want: multiple partners, one partner, or with yourself, or you know whatever. And th- their idea of starting this was check this out: they're using the same thing that the LGBTQ community is. They are a marginalized segment of the population. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand them. Yeah. And we need to study them and see why they're being so oppressed. And if we only give them the freedom, then they'll be able to be their true selves and things like that. And that to me now is like, okay, so in everything, you're really trying to get at this. You're really trying to redefine the family, the place that is the safest for women and the safest for children. And it's interesting because the world doesn't like to hear these answers. Um, If you think back to our our college days, right, Um, we'd look on our syllabus. We know exactly what textbooks we needed. And uh, a lot of times you have to get your your answers guide as a separate book. Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, I, I think of the Bible as like the answer's guide. It doesn't necessarily tell us, you know, all of the steps to why that's the right answer. God says, you have to believe me sometimes. You have to take this by faith. Why did God design marriage? That was his idea. We can kind of uh, reverse engineer and looking backwards, we can say, oh, okay, marriage makes the most sense. Yeah, because of this, because of that. And when it comes to our social justice issues we deal with today, I like to remind people that, look look at the Me Too movement. They're crying out for help, right? Let's say the ones that are truly being sincere, right? And we have the answer. We have the best possible answer for the Me Too movement. It's marriage. Mm-hmm. And don't have sex outside of marriage. And kids, we have a huge human trafficking problem, Right? If only everybody were married, right? Uh, And they had children within marriage and husbands took their responsibility seriously to care for their wives, but then also to care for their children, right? Uh, So marriage is the answer to most of our social justice issues today, Mm -hmm. but we just don't like that answer. And that just, because it's God's answer. It's God's design. It's God's answer. It's God's design. And that's, that's crazy how... Every, if we followed everything, it would all work. It so, would. so instead, so that, so that, that uh, friend I was talking to back in the day who just thought socialism would be this utopic society. Listen, if if you followed God's word, if we all followed God's word, it would be a utopic society. Mm-hmm. It would all fall into place. At all, there would be no Me Too movement. There would be no trafficking, and all of this, all of these problems, just stem from the problem of sin. Correct. And that's it's just crazy to think how how what we're dealing with today. Something that I, I mean, I would have never imagined ten years ago, let alone our you know my parents, my grandparents, decades ago. And it's something we have to deal with. It's something that we as Christians have to be aware of and just 
teach, inform and teach the people around us because not everyone has access to the things that we have to, that we have. So, um, George, as we, as we're wrapping up this episode, uh, for the people out there who are concerned, or maybe the people out there who are unaware, um, what's in a statement? What, what what recommendations do you have for them to become more aware of this and to take action, take realistic action, yeah, uh, in in their communities or in their circles that they participate in? Yeah, so uh, I encourage parents to go to our website, protectourkidsnow.org, and uh, get educated on these topics so you can speak at least. Uh, being informed, right? Um, I know for most parents in America, because of the economic situation, uh, pulling your kids out of public school is probably an economic hardship that you just don't have the ability to do. So for those parents, you have to become very active in your child's education. Know what books they're being sent at home to read. Know what books they're reading in school. Uh, Know what they're being taught in school. You can take a day off of work and actually just audit their class. Uh, start asking your children questions. That's, that's what I do. Um, and sure enough, it'll start coming out. They'll, they'll spill the beans. on. And it's not like they know that you know, something horribly wrong is happening because, no, we, we teach our children to respect their teachers, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this really catch-22 situation where in, we're teaching them to be obedient to authorities because that's God's word, but then how are we teaching them also to detect when the authority is saying something evil? Uh, so we need to be able to do both uh, as parents. If you have the ability to pull your child out of public school, please do so. Um, and, and we can get into that whole topic on the, the strategy of why we recommend that. Um, and you know, look into a, a charter school, uh, look into a private school, look into a homeschool. Um, there are so many other options out there. In fact, the great news for us here in California and in the nation, but I, I just know the state of California statistics now, uh, last month, the State Department of Education published that 150,000 kids were, were unenrolled from the public school system. Wow, that's awesome. Which is amazing. There are 6.2 million students in the public education system, and 150,000 have have left. Every child in the state of California costs us about $15,000 per year. So that's how you defund this whole system that's working against you. So parents, uh, we have to take some very serious decisions. I... I can't stress this enough. Please get informed, get educated, go to protectourkidsnow.org. We also have a a videos tab where you can watch multiple short videos that will help you come up to speed quickly. Uh, And then we also have emails on there where you can email us with questions because there's a lot of nuances and specifics. So we're here to help. And that's that. That's awesome. I I mean, if you can do that, do that. If not, uh, like George said, just be very aware and attentive of what's going on and what curriculum your your children are being presented with and potentially brainwashed. So it's good to it's good to do that, and it's good to encourage one another as well. So George, thank you so much for for being here. Um, I can say yet again that I, I learned so much in this hour that we had together. Uh, not only in the in the Black Lives Matter. Uh, episode but this one as well and it's and it's informed me and hopefully uh you know i can do my best to kind of share this and use this platform to really inform others out there who may not have uh just 
reach to any of this stuff. So I'm, I'm really glad and I'm really honored to have you on here. So thanks again for being on here. Um, if people, I know you mentioned your website, protectyourkidsnow.org, but if, if people want to reach out to you or if they want to find uh, more information or certain articles, uh, what's the best way that they can reach that? So uh, go if you want to go to our website, but then on there, you'll find my contact information. Uh, it's george at protectourkidsnow.org. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And if you do have any questions, you can reach out to me and I can direct you to George or you can go to the website and find his contact information through there to find that as well. So thank you guys all for listening so much. I hope you learned a lot. Um, even for those listeners out there who are currently you know, not married yet, um, hopefully that's on the horizon at some point. And uh, these are issues that we are going to have to deal with and we're going to have to stay informed as as culture, as the world, as society continues to degrade, we as Christians have to stand firm on God's word and Christ, who is our foundation. So I want to encourage you with that. So um, last minute things, again, wrapping up this uh, part two of season one or the season one B, uh, May 26th, uh, just need time to recharge. You know, there's a little bit of burnout going on. So I want to take that break over the summer. But again, we'll probably do something over those, th- you know, that three month span uh instagram at the potter's house for any and all updates and uh streaming platforms like i said earlier spotify apple Podcasts. go to that purple icon tap the stars and write a review because it'll really help the exposure of the show so thank you guys so much for tuning in uh be blessed and we will see you next time